Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I want to read three scriptures, and then I'm just going to um, talk a little bit. I got a word that's been on my heart for, for a while for this morning. And um, are we okay to get, um, get deep into God's word this morning? And, um, and to kind of stimulate our thinking a little bit about an area. So Matthew 27, it's the account of the cross, the crucifixion. And um, we'll read from verse uh, 45. It says, From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. By the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, can everyone say at that moment? At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and they appeared to many people. Then if you'll turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. It says, we have this hope. As an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. Let me read that again. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. And then finally, if you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 12. It says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, everyone say whenever. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Praise God for his word. Um, That first passage that we read in Matthew 27 is the account of the single most significant moment in all of human history. The moment when Jesus died on the cross. Now, I believe, because the Bible tells it, that Jesus had the power to lay down his life and to take it up again. Do you believe that? Which means that Jesus not only um, chose to go to the cross, but Jesus chose the exact moment of his death. The Bible says that Jesus gave up his spirit, which means that Jesus was not going to die prematurely. He was only going to give up his spirit and, and release his spirit back to his father when he had achieved everything that he came to achieve. Amen? That's why we should pay very, uh, it's very significant for us to notice what happened when Jesus gave up his spirit because that shows us that that was the ultimate purpose of why Jesus came to die and shed his blood. Does that make sense? So the Bible tells us that at the moment Jesus cried out, it is finished, he gave up his spirit and this happened. The veil or the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That would indicate to me Now, I love the fact that I'm forgiven of my sin. Anyone else? I love the fact that I have eternal life. I love the fact that when I get sick, I have a promise that by his stripes I'm healed. But I would suggest to us this morning that the ultimate purpose of why Jesus came and died and shed his blood was not just so that we could be healed and forgiven, not just even that we could have eternal life, but it was that that veil of separation, which was between me and you and the Father, was ripped and torn in two forever. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he shed his blood. Now, uh, for those that may be here this morning and you are thinking, what on earth is veils and curtains? What on earth has that got to do um, with Jesus and the cross? And certainly, what on earth has that got to do uh, with my life today? I want to show you this morning that this changes everything. It changes the way we do Christianity. It changes the way we do church. And it certainly changes the way that we live. But but we'll, we'll just pause for a moment and go back thousands of years before Jesus was born. And in the Old Testament, when people chose to meet with God, um, they did so originally in a big tent called a tabernacle. And a little bit later on, they did so in in a more permanent building, the, the, the temple that was built by Solomon. But both the tabernacle and the temple had a similar pattern or layout in that they were divided into three separate 
areas. There was the outer court. Everyone say outer court. The outer court was where all the sacrifices and offerings took place. That's where all the priests were busy killing animals and, uh, and serving God and offering sacrifices so that people could be, have their sins forgiven. But then when you went in a little bit deeper, you went into the holy place. Everyone say holy place. The holy place, there was the bread of God's presence. There was the lampstand with the fire that was burning before God. And there was the altar of incense. And, and the, book, the Bible actually uh, uses these things prophetically for us today. The, the bread of the presence, it speaks to us of God's word, which is our daily bread. The fire that was burning speaks of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we, we love as, as Pentecostal Christians, don't we? And the altar of incense, it speaks of our prayers and intercession that goes up before God. But then as you went in a little bit deeper, you came into the Holy of Holies or the most holy place. Everyone say most holy place. And the most holy place, that was the place where God was. That's where the place where God said, I'm going to abide in that place. That's where my kingdom, my throne on earth is going to be there. That's where my power and glory and goodness is going to dwell and abide. The only problem was at separating the, the most holy place and the rest of the tabernacle or the rest of the temple was a huge thick curtain or veil and no one was allowed through apart from the high priest and he could only access through the veil one day a year on the day of atonement. Can you imagine that there is all of God's power, all of God's glory, all of God's goodness, all of God's majesty and none of us have access through. But oh, thank God for Jesus. Thank God that 2,000 years ago, Jesus tore the veil. Which now means that every single one of us that, that respond to that invitation, we can step through the veil and we can access the presence and the glory and the majesty of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Now, let me ask you a question. Where is Jesus? Okay, we've got a couple of different answers, but we've read where Jesus is in Hebrews 6. Right hand of God's a great answer. I know sometimes people say, well, Jesus is here or Jesus lives in my heart. And, and of course, there's a sense in which that's true. But really, it's the Holy Spirit who is, of course, the Spirit of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit lives in us. But the physical, resurrected, glorified Jesus, we read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, where he is. He is in the Holy of Holies. In heaven, at the right hand of the Father, right? Because what we need to understand, and are we okay if we get really into the Bible this, this morning? Is that okay? And we're going to make this the most practical message you will have heard 
in a moment, but let me just get the theology in there. The Holy of Holies on earth was a picture or a type of the real Holy of Holies that's in heaven. Right? So the Holy of Holies on earth in Jerusalem doesn't exist anymore. Right? But the real Holy of Holies, the presence of God, the presence of the Father, the throne room of heaven, the real Holy of Holies that is in heaven, that exists. And that's where Jesus is. And the Bible says here in in Hebrews 6 that we have this hope. Everyone say hope. We have this hope that enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us has gone on our behalf. So here's the picture. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gives up his spirit when he dies on the cross. And he enters through the veil in heaven. Heaven is torn open. And he enters the the throne room of God. He enters the Holy of Holies in heaven. All the angels and elders are there bowing down, worshipping him. He takes his place at the right hand of the Father, crowned in majesty and glory. And the Bible says that we have this hope that enables us to go through the veil. Where he has gone ahead of us. If someone has gone ahead of you, what does that imply? That they are inviting you to follow them. So right now, where is Jesus? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And what's he saying to King's Church in Cambridge? Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. We have this hope. Now here's the theological bit that I want to kind of stimulate our thinking a little this morning. Whenever the book of Hebrews uses the word hope, it's nearly always referring to the new covenant. So we could kind of paraphrase that scripture in context as being this. We have a new covenant. Everyone say new covenant. We have a new covenant that enables us to go through the veil where Jesus has gone before us. Now, if there is a new covenant, that implies that there must have been an old covenant. Now, if you read the old covenant or the old testament, it's full of prayers and longings and prophecies, and desires, that can be pretty much summed up like this. God, when are you going to turn up? Right? That's what all the Old Testament is about. God's up in heaven. We're down here on earth. God, when are you going to come? When are you going to bring your redemption? When are you going to bring your salvation? When are you going to bring your glory? So uh, Isaiah would put it like this. God, would you rend the heavens and come down? The psalmist would put it like this. 
when can I meet with God? There was this cry, this longing for God's salvation to come. But I believe that 2,000 years ago, every promise, every cry, every groan, every prophecy, every longing was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. God came. God's glory came. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He did rend the heavens and come down. And uh, three and a half years later, he came again because the Holy Spirit came. He poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. God came. God's spirit came. God's power came. And all these longings of the Old Testament for God to come, for heaven to come, they were all fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Now we have a new covenant. And the language of the new covenant changes. And the language of the new covenant is no longer about God coming to us. Because he did that. Now the language of the new covenant is this. You come to God. Jesus is here at the right hand of the Father. And he's saying, come on in. I made a way. I made a way. One of the most tragic places you could go to in the world, is the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Because you find a group of people crying out for a Messiah to come, who already came. Can you think of anything more tragic than that? Well, welcome to most Pentecostal churches. Because I wonder how many times We as believers who love the presence of God, we cry out for God's power to come, God's glory to come, God's Holy Spirit to come, His healing presence to come, when actually we need to understand that we're now in a new covenant, whether the emphasis is no longer on When is God going to come to us? But now the emphasis is on when are we going to come to him? Jesus said, if you are hungry, or sorry, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. Right? Jesus didn't say, if you're thirsty, Just wait on me for a bit. And maybe one of these Sundays I might turn up. Maybe if the worship team are really on it this week. Maybe when Peter Cavanna comes next week. I might come along with him. No, he said, if you are thirsty... Come to me and drink. Is anyone tired, weary, heavy laden? Come unto me. 
For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. With boldness, we come before the throne of grace. You, the book of Hebrews tells us, have come unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. If anyone is thirsty, the book of Revelation says, come to the waters. The emphasis is always on us coming to him. And yet many times, charismatic, Pentecostal, spiritful believers, it's like the veil is still there. It's like we're waiting on Jesus to get out of jail. We're waiting on Jesus to come and bust out. The veil is gone. The veil has been torn. And now heaven is longing and waiting for us. We're waiting for a move of God. We're we're waiting for the day revival comes to the UK. We're waiting on God to send his power. And Jesus is looking at the nail scars. Looking at the wounds. Thinking, hang on a minute. I went through all that. So they could access my power. They could access my glory. They could access revival. They could access my presence. And now the Holy Spirit is urging us, step in. The veil has been removed. The veil has been torn. Any moment you choose, you can step through the veil into the presence of Almighty God. Jesus said this, I am going. Where was he going? Right hand of the Father. To prepare a place for you. We think he's, he's, you know, that's talking about our mansion in heaven. That he's up there kind of with his, you know, trowel and his hammer and chisel. I am going. Where was he going? To a building site? No, I am going to the Father. To prepare a place for you. Why? So that you would be where I am. That's why he came. That's the whole point of this. If, if we're still sitting around waiting for God to turn up, we missed why he came. He came so that we would no longer have to sit around waiting for heaven to t- come. He, he came and shed his blood so that we would no longer have to visit a wailing wall. And I, there's a word that we read in Corinthians that changes everything. Whenever. Whenever they turn to face God, the veil is removed. And there they are face to face. You see, the psalmist put it like this in the Old Covenant, remember. When can I go and meet with God? It's a great question, right? 
When can I meet with God? Paul tells us the answer. Whenever. Whenever they turn to face God, the veil is removed. And there they are, face to face. Wow. Think about that for a moment, face to face. You can't get closer than that, can you? And the Bible says that you being face to face with God happens the moment you turn your heart to him. So I could be in the deadest, driest church service. I'm not. This is wonderful. But I could be. And you know what? It wouldn't bother me. Because some Christians are waiting for their favorite worship song. Some Christians are waiting for, you know, a killer quote from the preacher. They're waiting for a goosebump moment down the spine. Oh, God's here. Paul says, no, whenever you turn to God, you're face to face. So I could be in the deadest, driest meeting. I close my eyes. I turn my heart and my mind to Jesus. And I've just stepped through a veil. And I'm in heaven. It kind of puts this. You know we use language don't we? And I know where we're coming from. I use this language. I want to get closer to God. We've all said that right? We've all prayed that. God I want to get closer to you. You know, according to the New Testament, you're either faced in the wrong direction or you're face to face. There's no in between. And the Bible says you get face to face, not by being a Christian for 50 years, not by having to Fast 30 days and on the 30th day, there you are face to face. No, the moment you turn your heart to Jesus, you are there face to face. Because sometimes in church we have this idea that, oh, you know, Pastor Phil, he's, he's, he's so close to God. And Peter Cavana, he's so close to God. And oh, Nathan Morris, he's like, you know... He, And I'm kind of way back here, but I'm getting closer. (laughs) Kind of, I'm taking those, you know, next year I want to get a little bit closer. And the year I want to get a little bit closer. And at the minute I can't quite see Jesus because, you know, Pastor Phil's in the way. But, (laughs) but, okay. No, the Bible says the moment anyone turns I'm face to face my, my four year old son Judah about a year ago I took him to the, to the zoo and um, as we kind of uh, at the end of the, the day at the zoo there was a, a, like a park a kids play area and he said daddy I want to go and play um, 
So I, I said, okay, Judah, go and, uh, go and play. I said, I'm, I'm going to be stood or sat right here. I was about maybe 100 yards away from him. I said, I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm, I'm going to be right here. Go and have fun. So he went off and started to play. And if you're a parent, you know what it's like at that age. You don't take your eyes off of them for a moment. So he's having lots of fun playing. After about 10, 15 minutes, he came out of the play area. But I realized he was faced in the wrong direction. He got his back to me. And he began to to shout, Daddy, Daddy. Well, the moment he said that, I I stood up and began to just walk towards him. I, I was only 100, 200 yards anyway. But um, he started to grab all the other kids and parents. And he was saying, I can't find my daddy. And then he let out this scream. He went, daddy, where are you? And I just tapped him on the shoulder. He said, I'm right here, son. And he turned around and there he was. Face to face. Well, he's not let me forget that. Over a year later, so he he keeps saying things like this. Daddy, can can you remember when we went to the zoo and you lost me? <laughs> so I kind of just let it go, and then a few months ago we were in the car with my wife, and I was about to go to America on ministry, and my wife said, "Judah, when when Daddy's in America, I'm going to take you to the zoo." Well, I knew what was coming. He said, uh, Daddy took me to the zoo, and he lost me. So, um, I, I, right, I, I'm going to nail this now. I said, Judah, I did not lose you. You lost me. Truth was that he was only ever as far away as a decision to turn The separation was only in his head. I get so many people come, they say, can you pray for me? I say, why? I'm so far away from God. Impossible. You were only ever a decision to turn away from God. Because the moment you turn, the veil is removed. And you are face to face. This changes Everything. Why does it change everything? I love this. Church. Anyone else love church? If you don't, there's a great book I can recommend. Discounted today, 11 pounds. But... Isn't it awesome we can come on a Sunday and we've got this great worship team, we've got drums, we've got singing, we've got Steve busting some moves. It's, it's awesome. We, you know we've got great preaching and um, you know, even better preaching next week when Peter Cavanagh's here. And, uh, and then you, know, you can come to the front and you've got Pastor Phil doing his prophet thing and you've got healing. and you've got, It's awesome. It's incredible. But. Shall I tell you into a secret? And they never tell you this in church. Let's not let this get out, okay? This is not real life. 
It's not, is it? This is like this little thing we do for two hours on a Sunday. And that's it. And if we equate this with encountering God, we are missed why Jesus came. But when I realize whenever I can step through a veil, Who knows, when you're at work tomorrow morning, your boss is giving you a hard time, the stress from clients, you know, maybe you're a teacher and all the kids are, you know, throwing stuff at you or whatever. You need some wisdom, you need a word from God, you need peace, you need grace. You can't, you can't stop the office and say, can everyone close their eyes, bow their heads right now? Can someone just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now? Shikorasaka. You, you can't do it. You know, you're at, you know, you're at the bus stop, whatever, and you've run out of cash. You can't be like, come on, can we stick a bit of Kenneth Copeland on right now? A bit of prosperity. Let's take an offering right now. Come on, God loves a cheerful gift. You can't do it. You're at the supermarket and you meet, you bump into someone who you've not met for years. and You say, how are you doing? And they say, well, actually, I've just been to the doctors. I've just been... Diagnosed with cancer. And you say, well, actually, I believe in healing. I believe in prayer. Can I pray for you? And they say, yeah, I'd love to. You can't say, can someone come to the keyboard right now? <laughs> can, can, that music that's playing over the tannoy at Asda, can we just switch that to some Jesus culture right now? You can't do it. And the problem for us is that we associate the presence, the glory, the power with this. But as good as this is, it's not real. It's just this little culture that we've created on a Sunday. But Jesus is bigger than that. And so, this is the truth. That you can be at work, having a stressful day. And you can just be sat at your desk. Or you can just nip to the bathroom for a few moments. And you can close your eyes. You can turn your heart to Jesus. And in that moment, you've stepped into the realm of his glory. Kids could be playing, going crazy at home. Could be arguments between you and your spouse. You might not have enough money to pay the bills. But you go into your bedroom. You shut the door. You get on your knees. There's no altar call. There's no worship team. There's no prophet. But you close your eyes. Turn your heart to Jesus. And at that moment you step through a veil. And you are face to face. With almighty God. You can be in the supermarket and be in glory. You can be on the bus and be in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because the veil has been torn. Isn't it incredible that Paul says, whenever Moses is read, the veil's back up. 
But then he says this, because they've been made dull in their minds. In other words, the only veil that exists is the veil that's in, in their heads. So if you feel far away from God this morning, that veil's not real. If you feel like there's a blockage between you and the Holy Spirit, that veil's not real. If you're in a situation where you've not got music and goosebumps and preaching and fire tunnels and prophetic words, and you think, oh, God's not with me. It's all in your head. The veil's been removed. And all I have to do is turn my heart and I've stepped through the veil into the presence of the Most High God and there I am face to face. There was a book written, well it wasn't actually a book that was written, it became a book, but it came from writings written in the Middle Ages by a monk called Brother Lawrence little book called Practicing the Presence of God. And Brother Lawrence worked in the kitchens in the monastery while all the other monks were praying and fasting and writing scriptures and doing other stuff that monks do. Uh, choirs, I guess. Don't know, never been a monk. Um, they, they were doing all these kind of spiritual stuff um, praying and drinking beer, basically, if you go by the movies, right? Um, they're all doing this spiritual stuff. Brother, Ma- uh, Brother Lawrence is in the kitchen. But Brother Lawrence decided to experiment. Is it possible to live 24-7 in, with an awareness of the tangible presence of God, even though most of my time is spent doing secular things. And he kind of kept this little diary. And he began to practice that as he was preparing the meals, as he was doing the washing up, as he was stirring the food, uh, setting out the food, occasionally he'd just turn his heart And his mind to Jesus. And as he was cooking, he'd just start to think about Jesus. And as he was cleaning, he'd just turn his heart to Jesus. And he began to have the most powerful, glorious encounters with God. Not because he was doing anything spiritual. He was just going about his daily routine. But he learned this secret. Whenever I turn my heart to Jesus, I'm face to face. I could be peeling potatoes, turn my heart to heaven, and I'm in the Holy of Holies. Changes everything, right? Give me just a couple minutes and then we're going to do something. Special to close this service. Life in the, in, in the veil. It's where God wants us, right? Let me ask you a question. Which side of the veil are you living on?
Because the outer court, that's busy. That's where all the priests serve and minister. Who knows, you can be busy doing stuff for God and never step through a veil. But the holy, of, holy place, that's where spiritual stuff happened. The bread, the lampstand, the incense. But it was still the wrong side of the veil. You know you can read your Bible every day and still be on the wrong side of the veil. You can say prayers every day and still be on the wrong side of the veil. You can move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, prophesy, pray for the sick, and still be on the wrong side of the veil. But here is where he wants us. Through the veil, it's a life of intimacy. I could speak a lot longer about what life is like through the veil, but our time is almost through for this first service. But you just tell you two things. Life through the veil, it's a life of intimacy. Where we hear the voice of God. Have you ever, and I know you, you, you do a lot on hearing the voice of God as a church, but have you ever needed a word from God? And there's this phrase, isn't there, in the Old Testament. The word of the Lord came to them. That a great phrase. Have you ever been waiting for the word of the Lord to come to you? And have you ever kind of, the longer you've been waiting, the more stressful you've got? It's like, God, I need you to speak by Wednesday. And it, get, you know, it gets to Wednesday morning and now you're really stressed and panicking because God's word's not coming. And who knows, it's harder to hear God the more stressed you are. But do you know that phrase, the word of the Lord came to them? It's never used in the New Testament. Because I'm not here waiting on God's word to come to me. Now I step through the veil whenever. And he is the word. I can access his word. I can access his voice. I can access his mouth any moment I choose. Even when there's no one on the keyboard in the background. I can hear from heaven. And the final thing is this. Through the veil. That's where his power is. The mountains melt like wax. In the presence of the Lord. I used to think that it was my job. To get God's power to turn up. So here's my need. I'm saying God you better come down and sort this out. And if nothing's happening I pray louder. I pray longer. I start to work up a sweat. I change my accent to speak like Rainer Bonke. (laughs) Jesus. And then I realize the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. How do I get in the presence of the Lord? Just turn my heart to him. So now here's how I pray. God, I enter your presence. And I bring my sickness through the veil. I bring my bank balance through the veil. 
I bring my marriage and my children through the veil. I bring my ministry and my church through the veil. I lay them in your presence. You remember the false god Dagon? In the presence of the ark. He fell face down. Not in a charismatic prayer meeting. Not with people anointing the walls with oil and waving flags and declaring scripture. Dagon was in his own house. It was a temple full of demon-possessed pagan priests worshipping false gods. But Dagon crumbled because the ark was there. That goes to show it doesn't matter what the environment, whether it's godly, whether it's secular, whether it's demonic. If God's there, Dagon has to fall. And you, you, you may... And your Dagon may be depression. Your Dagon may be cancer. Your Dagon may be your marriage. But this morning you can bring it through the veil. You can present Dagon before the ark and watch Jesus defeat every enemy. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye